What's up, podcast? Welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols, and have you ever thought of setting out on a mission to become a scratch golfer? You know, you might be a 35 handicap, you might be a 10 handicap, you might be a 3 handicap, but imagine regularly shooting par or better you know, depending on the course rating of the course you regularly play or tournaments you play in, regularly shooting at that course rating or below it. Go, I, I challenge you right now to go find the, your scorecard to your golf course that you play all the time or the course that just kind of gets your goat every time and open it up and go to the course rating slash slope of the golf course, and whatever that course rating is, that would be quote-unquote scratch for that course. I think that's at least how I understand it. There could be some details or something I'm missing or nuances, but basically, you're regularly shooting that course rating. Now, imagine doing that all the time, or on average, over the last 20 rounds. That's what my guest today, Sean Denning, has done. He... He set out on a mission to say, in 2020, I'm going to become a scratch golfer. And he actually did it. Spoiler alert, he did it. So this conversation was recorded about a month ago uh, and before he actually did it. So he was like a .3 or something at the time when we recorded this. But he just did it like yesterday uh, upon me saying this or last week or whenever you hear this. Um... So congrats to Sean. That is an amazing, amazing accomplishment. There's, it's such a small amount of people that are actually scratch golfers. But what you can learn from this is not, congrats, dude, for becoming a better golfer than you were. That's, that's cool. But really, this conversation is full of actual things you can do to, to do that. And, you know, ironically enough, a lot of the things he says were mental game related, which was nice for me. But, you know, he does talk about physical skills that he had to learn as well. So listen to this and put yourself in his shoes and say, what could I do that could match this and I could reach my own goals? It it doesn't have to be scratch. It doesn't have to be 20 handicap. It could just be, I want to lower my handicap by five shots. So listen to this, apply it to yourself, and I think you'll get some value out of it. All right, let's get into it. Enjoy. How are you this morning? Good. How about you, Josh? Great. Uh, so you can see I'm recording, so we can kind of just get right into it. Um, how long do you have this morning, Sean? Um, I'd start work at 9 o'clock, so up until then. Okay, okay cool. Um, so that, that brings up an interesting point. I I know... I guess the golf part of you for the last, I don't know, six, seven months, just kind of picked up on what you were trying to do. But, you know, maybe you like give a broader context to the listeners, like um, who are these two random guys talking to each other? (laughs) You know, like, uh, yeah, maybe you could give a little context to what you're doing now. Yeah, sure. So 
Um, it was sometime last year. You know, I, I, I play golf pretty casually. I play in a tournament here or there, but you know, I like to play reasonably well. And my handicap got up to 4.2 last year, which was kind of a high point for me for, you know, it's just, I'm usually around a three and I got really frustrated at that point. Like, okay, I need to make a decision about, am I going to continue playing and just sort of accept that I'm going to be mediocre or am I going to quit? because I just don't want to play crappy golf. Mm. Um, and I decided that I don't want to quit because I like golf too much. <clears throat> but I didn't want to continue playing mediocre golf either. And so I figured, okay, it's time to buckle down, mm. work on my game some, get to scratch, and enjoy playing a little bit more if I'm going to continue oh. doing this. And um, let's see, I'll, just a little bit more background. I've got uh, two kids now. Mm. My wife and I have, have two daughters. Um, one is two and one is uh, almost three months. So I um, have a, a few things going on at home. Uh, luckily, my wife is okay with me playing golf a fair amount of time and is supportive, so that's been good. Uh, I also work full-time. Um, I'm a structural engineer. Yeah, so I, I just decided I was, was going to start working on my game and figured, you know, as, as long as I'm doing this, I might as well start posting about it and see if anything sure. comes of it. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at and how I started. Right. So how do you, how do you just say, I'm going to work on my game and I'm going to improve from a four or something handicap to a scratch. I mean, that's the, like four strokes is one thing from a 32 handicap to a 28 handicap. That's relatively sure. easy but from four to zero, like that's a, that's a big thing. So is it just like, I'm just going to spend more time? Like what are the specifics of what you're doing to work on your game? Yeah. So, um, to start off with, I, I took some lessons. I went to uh, golf tech, which I really enjoyed. Hmm. Um, and they've been good. I, I've taken lessons from them before and they've, they've helped my game. So I, I used to be, you know, in the, maybe a five handicap range. Um, the first set of lessons I took from them was uh, just after I started college. And I feel like they got me down to a, a consistent three handicap range. Um, so yeah, I, I was taking lessons there and I sort of laid out a whole plan of, okay, here's, you know, here's my game plan of what I'm going to do. Um, because you're right. It is, it's a pretty big jump. And I felt like I was so far away from, from being a scratch golfer that it, I wasn't entirely sure how this was going to go. I thought, you know, maybe I'm going to start this. I'm just going to stay exactly the same throughout the year. I'm going to be having all these posts about, you know, how to do this and that. And I'm not going to improve. And I'm like, well. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, so you know, starting with lessons was a big thing for me. I, I laid out some goals, trying to look at my stats and figuring out where I was at and, and what areas I, I thought I needed to most improve in. Um, mental game was big for me because I, I know those last couple of shots are, it seems like it's mostly mental. I mean, once you get to a, a certain stage of competency, at, at least for my game, with my swing, I feel like, you know, I've still got some more work to do to be able to stay out of my way and, and, and play well. Um, yeah, so that was, I mean, that was it. And I laid out, you know, these are the areas of my game that I'm gonna work on. I, I wanted to improve my grades and regulation. And uh, and my scrambling percentage was pretty low. My short game wasn't wasn't great. Although, <laughs> as I as I got into it, I I came across um, strokes gained analysis, mm. 
and that really sort of changed how I was how I was practicing. So that was that was kind of a big thing for me. Right. So when you say like your components you want to work on are uh, greens and regulation, short game, and mental game, and and I can see how to improve uh, greens and regulation and short game. I mean, there's difficulties, but I can see it's kind of more tangible. So, and you post a lot about the mental game and obviously this is the mental golf show. So that's like, that's kind of really why I wanted, I said, I want to talk to that guy. What, what did you pinpoint like what you needed to do and then how can you actually work on it? Yeah. Mental game wise. Yeah. Um, well I started off with, uh, um, uh, an ebook by David McKenzie. I was following him some. Uh, it's the ultimate mental guide for for golf. I'm probably butchering the title, but I think that's mm, close. Right. <laughs> and he gives a, a a lot of practical suggestions. And you know, one of my my favorite uh, golf books is has been uh, not um, golf is not a game perfect. And it, mm. it it sort of talks in you know sort of you know generalities about you know what you should be doing with the mental game. But what I liked about um, David McKenzie's approach was it was very, you know, here's concrete ideas for what you can do. And so the, the, really the thing I started off with was working on my pre-shot routine and getting a a process down because probably my biggest struggle with my game is stopping, you know, not thinking about score all the time. I just can't keep score out of my head. you know, I, I think about numbers all day as an engineer. And so when I get on the golf course, I, I can't not keep track of my score. And so I always know where I am. And I'm always thinking, okay, what do I need to do to get to this score? Don't make this mistake because I don't want to, you know, put myself out of, out of position to, to have a chance to, you know, do whatever. Um, so having a, a process that I approach each shot helps me you know, not totally forget about score, but be a little bit more focused on, on the shot instead of the result of it. Mm. Yeah. So you, you said, I know I'm this way, so I, I need to put in place a process that, I mean, is it like distracting yourself from your tendency? Or like, how would you describe that? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it sort of distracts me. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was a little weird when I started off because I, you know, I had these, this mental checklist basically. So my checklist when I get over the ball is one, be confident. And sometimes I have to fake it cause I just don't feel very confident. So I, so I do my best and then visualize. So visualize, you know, my target, the shot shape, the, the height of the shot. Um, I find that to be especially important when I'm putting and, mm. It took me a while to sort of settle on how I was going to visualize a putt, but I found what works for me is just visualizing you know, kind of a general line up to the hole, and then I see the, the ball rolling into the hole. And so having that, having that reminder in my checklist <clears throat> is, is sort of useful for me because, you know, get over the ball and I have to do these things in order to get the shot. Uh, and then the last thing is on full shots, just zone out. Because I feel like, you know, sometimes on full shots, if I'm, you know, I'm spending this effort to try to visualize the shot, I can get sort of locked in and sort of freeze. And so I have to remind myself to relax a little bit. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, that's, that's fascinating to me that you, 
I mean, just, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to get across to listeners is that you're quote unquote normal guy. You're not like tour pro doing this for a profession. You just, you said, I'm not as good as I want to be. And I'm on this trend to be worse than I want to be. So I want to get better. (laughs) So I'd like to, from that perspective of just the normal quote unquote normal person playing like first of all how much time do you put into your game maybe every week sure yeah so when i started i my target was 10 hours a week and i started during the off season and so i was probably short of 10 hours a week during the off season because you know i'd I'd have uh, a lesson a week and then i go practice a couple of times so you know it was maybe in the five to six hour range but then during the season, once I started playing, you know, I play uh, nine holes during the week and then uh, 18 uh, on the weekend. And then I have, I start off with two practice sessions on top of that. And my practice sessions aren't real long because it's sort of tough to be away from home for any significant period of time, but they're about 45 minutes or so. Um, and I realized that wasn't going to be enough. So I went from two practice sessions to four practice sessions a week and then playing 27 holes a week. Hmm. And that's, so, that seems to be sort of a good spot for me right now. Right. And I mean, do you think this process is like unique to you because of the way your kind of analytical mind works or I mean, is it something anybody could do? I, I, I think I, I'm not being dumb and asking an obvious question, but it's like, how, like, can someone else who isn't so analytical, who really has struggles being disciplined with time, I mean, is this something anybody can do? Or is this like, whoa, this was way harder than I thought? Or like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I guess I think so. I mean, it's difficult for me to speak for other people and, and what their habits are, but I mean, playing 27 holes a week, I'm, I'm pretty sure most people can do that. And, and from what I understand from, you know, folks on Twitter, it seems like people play a lot more than they practice. So my guess would be that getting in the practice sessions and, and knowing what to practice would be a little bit more difficult. But, it you know, it's tough for me, too. And I, I, I try to keep the sessions short because of that. You know, I can, you know, if I've got an hour, I can drive to the course real quick and get in 45 minutes and, and come back. and a lot of times I do that in the morning before the rest of the house is up. And so I'm not really missing out on stuff and nobody's missing me and it works out fine. So yeah, I, 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 I think other people could do that. Yeah. So it's, it's probably a more of a matter of just saying maybe auditing your time and say, instead of in the, in the first hour scrolling Twitter, like the first hour of the morning, <laughs> like kind of dilly dallying, like drinking my coffee and chilling, looking out the windows, like I've got an hour or I've got 30 minutes or whatever. And really just hitting it and getting out there. Right. Like, is that, is that like major component of you being able to make this improvement or was that an easier part for you? Um, well, I I mean, yes, that's a pretty big component of this is, you know, deciding you know, how many times a week I'm going to practice, what I'm going to work on during that time, and then actually getting it done. Because, like you right. said, you know, if it's you know if it's a, a, a Saturday afternoon, an hour seems like it goes really fast. But mm. you know, on a weekday morning, okay, I've got to start work at nine o'clock, so I'm you know I'm I'm awake. I've got you know 
two hours before I need to start work. I need to get to the course and you get this done. Hmm. Did I so, take away yeah. from your time this morning? Uh, well, I, I'm not getting my practice in this morning, but that's okay. I figure I'm thinking <laughs> okay. about the golf game, so it counts for something, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing some mental thoughts, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so what made you want to post it? Because like you said, like that's some serious kind of pressure. I mean, you're putting yourself out there to say, I'm going to improve four, four or five shots on – my stroke average in a year, or I don't know what your original timeline was. I feel like it was maybe to the end of August or something like that was some pressure. Yeah. So, right? yeah, so it was 12 months. I started at the end of September okay. last year and I, my goal was to be finished at the end of September this year. I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I'm at a, right. a point three. So I got a little bit more work to do and mm-hmm. hoping I can get that done before it gets too cold. But, um, but yeah, there, I mean, there was some pressure into it and, and that was part of the motivation um, you know, I found that writing about it and you know, it's, it's a way to keep myself accountable. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's not really why I started. It's just sort of an added benefit. Um, hmm. But, you know, the, the reason I did it is, you know, I, I really enjoy golf and kind of got to thinking, you know, if, if I didn't have to, to work, what would I be doing? I mean, you, you'd see folks at the office retiring and you think, okay, what if I, what if I could retire now? What would I do? Hmm. And... You know, I I thought you know I really enjoy golf. Maybe why wait until I retire to play more golf and, and mm. maybe write about it and see if anything comes of that. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of how I got to it. And um, yeah, do you have? Maybe I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, and maybe you haven't talked about this because I haven't read everything you've written. I've read a, a fair amount, but sure. do you like? Is there a bigger selfish reason for this like uh more than just i want to get better at golf like did do you have like some i don't know i don't know like generalized question yeah yeah i I understand where you're going yeah so i was i was kind of hinting at it that you know maybe i could uh, start this blog and and make some money on it at some point that would be right that would be great too (laughs) Um, i I wouldn't say it's it's the driving motivation but i'd say it's you know maybe 50 50 even something like that uh, do something i like to do and maybe make some money on it mm. uh, yeah i we'll see we'll see what happens i guess yeah well and and that's like i'm gonna i'm gonna share this with the world i'm gonna document this and it's a cool story and and you're like a good writer and you happen to like put out good stuff so it's like a good combo um i mean if someone, if someone out there is like a 15 handicap and they say, I want to regularly shoot in the seventies, like, and I have a year to do it. Like, would you be able to like draw up a plan for them and say, this is how you should do it. And I, I recommend it. Or would you say, I don't know, you're getting yourself into something hard. Like, how would you talk to someone like that? Hmm. Uh, well, the first thing I would suggest um, is is having a good understanding of where their game is at, at their starting point. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I thought I did because I was going through all my stats. And, you know, I had the the general numbers, um, but I really didn't understand what my weaknesses were and exactly how much my weaknesses were costing me before I did some stroke gain analysis. So I would say start there and see, you know, where you're at, and then kind of decide based on how that looks whether you know improving a significant amount is going to be reasonable and 
I, I would think that getting a coach would be a you know an important part of that process. Once once that player knows where they're at uh, and what they need to work on, then they could take that to a coach and say, "Here, I, you know, I want to get from here to here in this period of time," and just and talk with the coach about time frame and and the amount of time you have available, and you know discuss whether that's possible or not so yeah I, I i wouldn't think that would be unreasonable but that's how i'd start with it right so what i asked i try to ask everybody on the podcast this what percentage so far has it seemed is of your improvement has been physical and or like in golf in general what what percentage is physical what percentage is mental where does that balance yeah. come yeah, I think it, I mean, it depends on how good you are to start off with, I think is, is my opinion. Um, professionals who have their swing, you know, mostly down, I, I would think that it's, it's mostly mental. Um, and, you know, not being a four to zero handicap, you know, my, my opinion of professional golf is obviously limited, but for myself, I can say, I think it's probably, you know, half of my improvement has been, um, changes in my swing and, and working on, you know, physical practice stuff and half of it has probably been mental. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I would ever get below a two handicap if I, I hadn't worked on my mental game because I, you know, I get to a point where, man, I'm, I'm playing really well. And then as soon as I start thinking about it, that's when everything mm -hmm. falls apart. And so that, that's something I've had to work on. So I'd, I'd say 50, 50 from, okay. from where I started playing, you know? Yeah, that's a good answer. And there's no right answer for anybody. Um, so as far as the mental side, to go back to that, what, and I know you said I, you put in a process to get yourself to stop thinking about score. Are there any other major, like, was it getting to the last few holes and you, and you saw good scores in sight and you started like getting ahead of yourself? Like what are some big mental things that you fought? Yeah, so that that's definitely my my biggest struggle is because I always know where I'm at for score, and you know I get down to the last few holes and I start thinking, oh, I'm even. It's going to be a really good round. Just got to get past you know this tough hole. And as soon as it, it, it's like it's such a slight difference between you know not thinking about anything and that that you know those thoughts of score start creeping into my head. It's just it's it's difficult to believe that, you know, that small thought could have that big of an influence on the outcome, but it seems to. Right. And that's my biggest struggle. Um, second is probably having negative thoughts about, hmm. you know, just standing over the ball and, Oh, don't, don't hit it right. And hmm. you know, that's, that's probably second for me, but yeah, working on the process has helped with that too. Right. So how do you eliminate negative thoughts? That's a little bit tougher because it's, it's not really eliminating them. It's just choosing to ignore them. I think it's how I approach it. Cause I, you know, it just seems like it's going to happen. I'm going to think negative thoughts. There's water left at some point. I'm going to think don't hit the water, but I just have to, okay, I'm going to either going to make a weak swing because I'm trying to avoid the water or I'm just going to pick my target. I'm going to hit it hard. And you know, if I hit it in the water, I hit it in the water. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you, I, people that have heard me talk say you pick a target, you let it rip and you accept the results. And, and why go through a round scared of the bad thing? Like, and you've probably heard it. And I know everybody's heard this is like, um, aggressive swings to conservative targets, no matter what you're like, you're on the offense instead of 
guiding it out there, being defensive, right? Is that like something yeah. you feel like? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, I played in a tournament a while back and we came up to this, this hole that's, you know, it's got trees on the right, bunker on the right. If you hit it right, you're, you're pretty much punching out, but there's water on the left. Um, and so everybody in our group, I was, I was hitting last cause I wasn't playing particularly well at the moment, mm-hmm. but, uh, was watching everybody, you know, hit their tee shots and everybody was just making swings that, you know, this is not the same swing you made on the last hole. You could tell that they were making tentative swings. And I thought, okay, I'm just, you know, if I hit it in the water, you know, I'm just going to give it my best shot. And so I'm going to make the same swing that I did the last hole and see what happens. And yeah, so I, I, I think that's a, a good key to, to pick a target and just be aggressive with it. So, yeah. Right. I totally agree. So what's been your best score so far in this year? Uh, I've been, uh, let's see, I've got two seventy ones that, uh, that was, um, course rating just under 72 for both of them. Or one was just over 72 and was just under 72. And then mm-hmm. I had a, a 72 on a course rating 73.8. So those, those are my best scores from the season so far. Right. Kind of relative to the difficulty of the golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and have you had a round, like maybe it's, one of those three rounds, maybe it was a higher score, but you felt like mentally you felt the best or you were the most relaxed or like that round had the most positive emotions to it. Hmm. Um, well, I guess I'd have to go through my, so I, I keep a tally of my mental scorecards for each round. And there, oh, nice. there's definitely been some rounds where I've been closer to So I, I add up my, each shot is either, okay, I followed my process or I didn't follow my process. And then um, compare that to my score for the round and I, I divide it by the score and I get a percentage. Hmm. And so some rounds have been pretty close to 100%. And yeah, those have been good. I've felt, you know, I get to the end of the rounds and I think, you know, maybe I didn't score the way I wanted to, but I, I did the best I could. I didn't leave anything out there. I can't control that I had a bad swing. What I could control, I, I did control. And so I don't hmm. feel like, even if I make a double bogey, oh well, it was just going to happen either way. So I didn't feel like I left anything out there. Right. Do you feel like those rounds where you were closer to a hundred percent mental game scorecard ratio? I mean, is it like, like it still felt mentally exhausting and a, and a battle or if I was close to a hundred percent mental game scorecard, I really do feel like it was easier. Um, I wouldn't say I'm at the point where it's, it's easy. I mean, my process is starting to become more automatic. You know, I don't have to try to remember what my checklist is. So in that sense, it's easier, but I'm not sure that I'll ever get to the point where, you know, I, I think mental side from it is easy for me because I'm, I feel like I'm always struggling with, okay, where am I at on my score? And it, it's just always a struggle for me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you'll, uh, I guess with that being said, going forward, where, like, how low do you think you can go? Like the, the thing with setting a goal of scratch, it's like, okay, I got the scratch. Now what do I do? Do you, have you had those thoughts yet? Yeah. So my ultimate goal, uh, is that once I get to scratch to scratch is to continue improving. Um, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to get on the plus side, um, and, and really a big goal of mine is to compete well in some, some national 
level mm. events like USGA. I know you've had some success in the USGA yeah. mid -am. That'd be that'd be so cool to to yeah. play in a mid am and and make the cut. I don't know about getting to the finals like you did, but uh, but yeah, but and, doing stuff like that I think would be a lot of fun. And mm. you know, playing in uh, on a big scale like that is is my ultimate goal. Yeah, and I don't. It wasn't like, and I guess at that point my handicap was it was pretty low. And ironically, it's like still the same from then because I've played so little since then and logged so few scores that it's still, I, it was like plus 4.6 or something. So, yeah. and I was playing a tough golf course on a regular basis at my home course, but it's not, I don't think it's outrageous to play well, make match play in a USGA event. I, that might sound crazy to someone who's never done it but it's, it's not outrageous. I mean, you got to shoot one good qualifying round for a mid-am and then have two probably mid to upper 60s rounds once you get there on a yeah. tough course, but three good rounds and you're in match play of a national championship USGA right. event. So yeah. I, I would never tell you, uh, yeah, abandon that goal. Like, that's not going to happen. But <laughs> I, I believe you can do it because of the way that you've, I mean, you've knocked off four strokes of your handicap in a year. Uh, not to say you'd do another four in another year, but with your process, I think with the way that you pour yourself into your process, I can't see why you wouldn't do that. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I'm glad you don't think I'm crazy for having that goal. <laughs> <laughs> How could I think you're crazy based on your last year? I mean, clearly you're, you know, yourself, and you're doing what it takes to make you better. So yeah. I don't think. Yeah. So, yeah. Getting to this point has been, you know, I, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do it in a year, but um, I, I think going forward, you know, getting from a, a zero to a, maybe a, a plus three, a plus four, I don't know if a plus four is probably on the, and that's almost just thinking about that. It's like, holy cow. Really <laughs> Another four. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's just going to be infinitely harder the closer, you know, the farther I, I get from scratch on the good side. But, but yeah, I, it's my goal, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I, I say best of luck, um, and I'd love to like chat with you as you go. Just I don't know every half a year or something, just to say, hey, yeah. how's it going? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah awesome. that'd be cool. Yeah, well, thank you so much for doing this, Sean. This has been a pleasure. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's been nice talking to you, Josh. Any any parting thoughts to the listeners out there to say, this is my advice to everybody, generalized advice? Uh, yeah, um, probably three big things. I mean, assuming I'm talking to somebody who, um, you know, just wants to get to scratch or, or significantly improve from, from where they're at. First thing I would say is <clears throat> know, know really where you're at, do a stroke scan analysis. Um, and talk to a coach about improving because it's unlikely that you're just going to, you know, think about improving and, you know, maybe practice a little bit more and focus on mental game and, and improve a ton. There's probably going to be some swing changes and swing, and swing work in there. Uh, and the last thing is at, you're probably not going to get all the way to where you want to go unless you focus on mental game. Hmm. Um, yeah, so those are my three, okay. I guess. Right. Analysis, work with an instructor, focus on mental game. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Sean. Yeah, thank you. 
All right, everybody, episode is over. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more from Sean and you want to hear more about his story or you want to kind of read his journey over the last year or into last into 2019, as you heard, he kind of started at mid-2019, wanted to, wanted to accomplish it mid-2020, um, and I give it to him. I think he... I think he got it in mid-2020, but his goal was August, but whatever. If you want to go back and kind of read his kind of day-by-day or week-by-week experiences with with doing this, and as he as he as the pressure built towards the end of the season, how he was able to pull it off, go to parmachine.com. Just like it sounds, parmachine.com. Uh, and you can you can kind of read the backstory and the context for this conversation and follow him on Twitter. That's where I follow him. That's how I discovered him. Uh, I believe he's just at Par Machine or Sean Denning or I'll link it in the show notes uh, if if I'm getting that wrong. But follow him on Twitter. Go to his website. It's really interesting stuff. Um, it's inspiring to me to, to say this guy set out on a mission to do this and he did it. So support the guy. Um, congratulate him, go to his Twitter and congratulate him. I think it's awesome. Um, yeah, thanks for listening to this. If you'd like more from me, follow me on Twitter. That's my favorite spot, Josh Luke Nichols. If you like Instagram, I get it. I do too. It's cool. I'm Josh Luke Nichols there as well. Um, yeah, if you want the latest from the Mental Golf Show, follow it on Twitter and Instagram, Mental Golf Show. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, I'll catch you guys in the next one. Really special guest next time. Uh, Should I spoil it right now of who it is? Mm, Sure, it's Dr. Brett McCabe. I I am a huge fan of Dr. McCabe's. I've been following him for a long time. I read his book, The Mindside Manifesto. He's super smart. He works with some of the best players in the world, PGA Tour players that you have heard of, and we talk about it in that episode. So look out for that one. That one's going to be awesome. Uh, Yeah, really, really, really excited about that conversation, and I've already had that conversation, so I don't have to be excited about it, but you should. You should be excited about it. All right, catch you guys next time.